Welcome to another episode of Pat and the Fat Man. We like to talk about movies, sports, and whatever else we feel like. I'm Pat. I'm the Fat Man. Just fat again today. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and today we're talking about sports. Sports ball. As you know, pretty much all of the sports ball decided to happen at basically the two same three months of the year this year due to COVID and its wonderful COVIDness. Well, two of them finished up around the same time. And then, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of one of the jokes about hockey was that it had been going for almost a year or a little over a year now. <laughs> because the season started and then they delayed it and then... They did like all of the season in one shot towards the end. So, yeah, so we had hockey and baseball both finish up roughly. Well, baseball, as of this recording, baseball is not finished yet, but um, the regular season finished up. Hockey completely finished. We have football started, both college and professional, and then nobody cares about basketball. Although it's, is it done or is it finished up? They're in the middle of their finals. Oh, okay. So middle of the finals. So again, who's playing? Does anybody know who's playing? Yeah, it's the Miami Heat versus the Los Angeles Lakers. Okay. So the only reason I know is because I like to listen to live sports radio when I'm in the truck, and so they don't shut up about it. Yeah. Baseball playoffs are going on. Football's going on. But one game of the NBA finals goes on, and they can't shut up about it. It's important, Bruce. <laughs> So not important. <laughs> we don't care. Number one, we don't care about the LA Lakers. Number two, we definitely don't care about the Miami Heat. Number three, we don't care about baseball. Or sorry, basketball. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still mad at ESPN for not letting people watch the games on ESPN Plus, even though the entirety of the season was in an ESPN facility. Of the basketball? Yeah. It was all there in the ESPN Sports Center and Walt Disney World. Yep. And all the players were staying at the Grand Floridian. Let's start with the one that, that'll probably take the least amount of time because we only watched like the finale of it. Stanley Cup. Stanley Cup. All right. Talking about hockey. So yeah, the Stanley Cup is two teams, the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Dallas Stars. I'm a Stars fan. I'm not terribly active in my Stars fandom. As in like, I only really watched three games this year and they were three games of the Stanley Cup. <laughs> <laughs> but I am ostensibly a Stars fan. I used to be a Colorado Avalanche fan, but my interest in hockey has since waned. But with Tampa Bay being as hot as it is recently, and the fact that I live so I live close enough to go see games, I'm starting to become more of a Tampa Bay Lightning fan. You know, home team kind of thing. Honestly, Stanley Cup playoff, NHL playoffs are exciting to watch. Yeah, no. So those were some great games. I got to admit, even though it didn't in the end turn out the way I really wanted it to. That was a lot of fun. Hockey's a, a game very much about momentum. <laughs> uh-huh. and, and pretty much every every sense of the word in every play, every action. Well, especially in this case, because nobody had true home field advantage because the NHL did a bubble in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and also in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. You had a quote-unquote home team, but there were no fans in the stands. So to say that there was a home field advantage would be just wrong. (laughs) Yeah. They were effectively piping in fans on Zoom. So Uh people were, I guess, not recording or broadcasting themselves on Zoom watching the game. So they would pipe those in on big screens or whatever. I thought it was also funny that they played the Canadian National Anthem, even though neither team was from Canada. (laughs) 
<laughs> but they were in Canada, so it made sense. And for the game seven that I watched was hilarious because the person for that game that they got to sing the American national anthem, I have no idea who they are. But for the Canadian national anthem, they got the bare naked ladies. I'm like, come on. <laughs> yeah, I think for the one I watched, I didn't catch the American national anthem, but I caught the Canadian one, and it was like Melissa Milano. I think we're singing it. <laughs> so, so I watched games uh, three, four, and five, I want to say. Or maybe it was three, four, five, and six. I watched parts of all of those games. Because I thought you were watching with me on that last one. Yeah, I did. Yes, at the end. Yeah. And the problem was my viewing is pretty sporadic. There was one game, I thought it was the third or maybe the fourth game. I watched the whole thing. But for the rest of them, they happen in or around either other sporting events or other things going on in my life. So I couldn't watch them. But takeaways from that game or those games, I should say, in general, the Tampa Bay Lightning looked like a, a more of a team. Uh-huh. Their passing was a lot better. Their their ability to anticipate what the Lightning were going to do was a lot better than, or what the um, Stars were going to do was a lot better than the Stars' ability to anticipate the Lightning's. I'll put it this way. Whenever the Lightning decided to press on the Stars, it seems like they could take the, the puck away from the Stars a lot easier than the stars pressing on the lightning. Uh-huh. And because of that, when you ended up in a power play situation, which is when you have one guy go out due to a penalty, so you have a, you know, one team only has four men on the ice, then the lightning were able to use those opportunities a lot better than the stars were. On the, on the flip side, the stars seem to be a lot better at breakaway situations, and especially in one-on-one or one-on-two or two-on-one situations where they had one guy who could just get it in into the, uh, the net. Uh-huh. Because most situations after a breakout happens, you have like both teams down on one side of the ice, and you know they're just passing around trying to keep it in and out of the goal, whatever, and there's lots of shots going on. In those situations, it doesn't seem like the Stars really excelled. The Lightning didn't really either. The Lightning did better. Uh-huh. But in, in the one-on-one breakaway situations, it kind of seemed like the Stars scored more often in those situations than the Lightning did. And I don't know if that's a, a tribute to the goalies or if that's just how the Lightning are as a team. But it, it seemed like the Lightning as a team were a much better team than the Stars were. Well, it seemed like more like the Lightning could strategize more. They were able to execute plays. They were able to execute strategies better. They were able to take advantage, like from what I remember hearing during the game was that if a power play came up that this lightning were much more likely to score on the power play than the stars and that's pretty key and pretty important because you have a one-man advantage you know that's your chance to take advantage of that it just seemed like perhaps like the dallas stars were more aggressive they were able to be more physical so on one-on-ones it was fine because maybe you can slap shot a puck so hard at the goalie flinches you know and misses so maybe that was a reason for that but definitely for the lightning they could pass back and forth rebound and and get in position to to make goals much easier yeah you know it's puck control and that the corollary to another sport would be ball control in soccer because uh-huh. you know it's a bigger field and you got more players but it's the same kind of thing you know can you keep the ball away from the other team and if you can you're guaranteed you're not guaranteed but it's highly likely you're going to make goals eventually i mean that's effectively what the lightning were yeah the the stars seem like they could get a lot more aggressive and they could do you know more one-on-one personal damage (laughs) when they got aggressive but yeah they couldn't it just never seemed like they worked real well as a team 
That being said, they got all the way to game six on that. So they won two games. The, star, the Lightning won four. four. Mm-hmm. So they, I think they won the first game. Yeah. And then they won the fifth game. Sounds about right. Yeah. So stars, lightning, 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 stars. And most of the games went into overtime. So we talked about, the, you know, the lightning having better puck control and and you know the stars being more aggressive and but they're still both really good teams <laughs> you mm-hmm. can tell because we went in overtime it went to six and they went to overtime yeah i don't think any of those games came down to a shootout which in hockey's is really kind of i don't want to say a big deal but it's more satisfactory because then it's more about the game than say by chance of some sort of skill yeah yeah Although one thing I will say about the overtimes is the overtimes are sudden death. Yes, that too. So the, it's the first team to score in the overtime. Yes. So it's a little different from a lot of sports these days, which honestly I'm okay with. <laughs> it was a good series. If you want a good series of uh, hockey to watch, obviously the Olympics where we beat the uh, Russians, fantastic one. <laughs> the Olympic Games where the... Canadians beat us in Canada in the final game for the gold silver. Mm-hmm. Also a phenomenal game. But this was a really good series. And I, I highly yeah. recommend it. So And it worked out really well considering all the COVID stuff and how once again we have an example where putting teams in a bubble worked out. Yes. Which is also how they did basketball. Um okay. So are we good with NFL? NHL? Hockey. <laughs> Hockey. Yes. Yeah, I think we think we are. I think the next would be to go on to um, baseball. My Indians got knocked out real quick, one two uh, against the Yankees in the wild card games, best of three. They got swept two games in a row. Well, okay, okay. So we haven't talked about baseball in general since like real early season. So let's give the broad strokes. So the first thing first we can talk about is they they did not do a bubble for baseball. They did not, and it ran into trouble very early on with Miami and uh, St. Louis. Both teams had horrendous number of cases of COVID, and it really threatened to blow up the whole season. But in the end, Miami got it under control. St. Louis, not as much, but in St. Louis ended up just forfeiting. I, I don't know if they forfeited. They just never played those games again. I don't think they played them. Well, they didn't play them, but I'm saying is like, I don't think they forfeited them. Like, I don't think they counted as a loss. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I hear what you're saying. Which is sticky because you got to think about the other teams that they that didn't get their chance to play them and win and because of their lack of control so let's talk about why why did that happen so you didn't have a bubble but that wasn't the real problem here the real problem was okay i was gonna let you do it (laughs) (laughs) you know the teams they visited each other so they got to play and visiting teams you know places and and in Major League Baseball, the teams were in control of what their players could do to an extent in that the policy was up to them. So when players would go to like uh, visiting towns, they'd go out at night. That was where they led into problems. <laughs> they were going out to clubs and restaurants and things like that, not practicing social distancing. And so, you know, it got all out of control. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that was basically the, the story. Okay, if you if you if you follow the 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 normal, everybody is following these regs, and you're traveling, you can in fact stay safe. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, you'll get it, which most of the league did, yeah. right? Right. And so will the rest of the team. Yeah, and in a particular case of my team was two pitchers, uh, Zach Plesac and Mike Clevenger. Now, the first person to come out in that in the Indian scene was Mike Plesac, and he was. 
sent home. Like he, they were, I can't remember where they were visiting. I want to say Cincinnati or something. And they told him or Chicago, I think it was, they said, you cannot be allowed to come on the road with the team. I don't know if they paid for it, but he had to rent a car and drive back to Cleveland. And then they sent him down to the minor leagues as punishment. Oh, wow. They sent him down to AAA because he broke rules. And the reason why they found out with him was that he posted on Instagram that he was out and about. Oh, nice. Yeah. Idiot. (laughs) And then it was later determined, it was found out that the second pitcher, Mike Clevenger, had gone out with him. Now, when they confronted him and Matt Kresak said that, yeah, that was him, Mike Clevenger didn't say anything like he didn't say oh yeah it was me too so when they found out <laughs> after the fact they were just as mad as him and sent him down to triple a to sit it out yeah which is like terrible right now because the triple a is not happening like, there, <laughs> there's right. no minor league right now <laughs> it got completely postponed till next year so sucks to be those guys mm-hmm. they sat a couple of games and uh, eventually mike clevenger came back zach plesak i don't believe ever did or maybe if he did it was way later than mike clevenger okay it was later than mike clevenger which you know in the end trade deadline came and we traded mike clevenger for i think for an outfielder that you know had mixed results and that's the indians just to let everybody know that bruce's team is the indians yeah how about your strohs how'd they do for a regular season uh you know i the strohs aren't my team right so they're kind of like the team i'll root for if the rangers are doing oh right right you're you're rangers Rangers. so i was paying pretty close attention to the rangers for the first quarter of the season they were terrible <laughs> you know i was listening on because again i'm mad at major league baseball because it wasn't broadcast really anywhere you know i think i needed to have fox sports southwest one or something like that to even see it so it wasn't readily available to watch so i was listening to it via an app for the radio station and that stopped working about a quarter of the way through the season so i just stopped caring you know i'd get updates on my phone and see that they were losing (laughs) but they they did pretty bad basically what was typically happening was the typical team getting run over they would have a decent starter pitcher and then the bullpen just wasn't enough to keep people from scoring every couple of games the bats would wake up and do their job but for the most part they just got run over and they couldn't you know they couldn't finish out they couldn't constantly stranding guys on base they just weren't doing very good so with the Indians, they had fine pitching throughout the whole year. Like every so often, a pitcher would you know have an off day and he'd get lit up. But for the most part, our pitchers did great. In fact, our number one pitcher, Shane Bieber, is going to win the Cy Young this year because he just had a phenomenal regular season. I think he had like an ERA closer to 1.0 than, than above that, which is really good. Yeah, ERA is earned run to average. So that's number of runs that are scored against him when he's pitching. Okay, He's probably going to win the Cy Young, which is the prestigious award for pitchers in any given year. But the bats didn't do anything. We have a player on our team that every year talk about, you know, is he going to get traded? Is he going to go free agency and leave? Because he's so good that everyone is certain he's not going to stay with Cleveland because Cleveland doesn't spend money to keep players like that. But this year he didn't do much. didn't really do well batting his batting average was terrible and a couple of the other big batters they were hot and cold throughout the year too Mm. so that's like a grand total of three of our batters in our nine person lineup and everybody else is either struggling or just not very good potential wise gotcha so they had a mixed year at one point this is a 60 game season at one point they went on an eight game losing streak and then followed that with a six game winning streak so yeah it was like a quarter of our season was was 50 50 almost (laughs) that's kind of the story 
right behind the Strohs, too. They were sort of middle of the pack. They did great in some games, not great in other games. They had runs. In general, I could tell that they were doing better than the Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't lose every flipping game I listened to. So <laughs> so we came up to playoff time. The Astros got in on a wild card, and the Indians got in, just got in, right? Yeah, we got in with a wild card. Uh, that was towards the end of our six-game winning streak, and we had a chance to go from third-place team in our division to first-place team. But, of course, we lost, like, the last three games in a row. So Gotcha. Yeah, so it was just like, sigh. <laughs> 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 yeah. So yeah, with first series in the playoffs, it was Stroh's versus the uh, Twins, mm-hmm. and uh, Stroh's dominated pretty handily. I, I and I watched uh, I watched both games because I was actually able to because it was on ABC, <laughs> <laughs> and the Stroh's did. You know, both teams were kind of doing the hold up until you know your opening pitcher was gone and then you know see what you can do against the bullpen and the Stroh's bullpen held up a lot better than the twins once the twins started playing their bullpen the Stroh's were able to score a run after you know one of the games i think it kind of ran away towards the end there but you know one game was only like three to one four to one something like that so the Stroh's looked pretty they looked good they really did you know, that was the struggle. I don't know what your feelings are about them being, you know, big fat cheaters <laughs> from last year. <laughs> I think I've made my feelings very clear on that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've seen it online. People talk about like they shouldn't have been allowed into the playoffs. And I, for one, agree mostly because it's one of those things when you talk about sports and rules. And like, if you're going to say somebody broke the rule, then there should be honest consequences for it. Right. Wasn't my call. <laughs> I'm not the yeah, no. baseball commissioner or whoever the heck makes the rules. So right. that was what they decided to do. So I, I can't tell you why they decided to do it that way or not, but uh, that's what we got. And so, yeah, then they moved on to they're now in their divisional series. And I can't even remember who they're playing, but they're dominating this too so far. <laughs> Oh, the the athletics. Ah, they're playing the athletics. Yeah, yeah. The, I think the score last night was something like ten to five or something. They they really ran away with it at the end of the game. And of course, I can't watch this one because this is on TBS. So, <laughs> so here's the interesting about the playoffs is that the playoffs. The wildcard series were played normal, like as in teams would go to whatever city that they're from. That's where they would play. But now that they're in the divisional series, the AL is playing in San Diego and the National League is playing in Arlington, Texas. So literally the Astros and the Athletics are playing, you know, maybe an hour and a half from my house, but I cannot go see them (laughs) (laughs) because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Are they letting anybody in the stands or is it no? Nobody. I know in California they're not, but that's because that's that's California. California. Not living in Texas, I'm not quite sure. So I could say as a preview to our football talk, there were stands at AT&T Stadium for the Cowboys game. Yeah, there were. I want to say watching the game uh, against the Twins, there were people in the stands. Not many. Uh It was very, very sparse, but there were people. Uh Um, So, yeah, I'm not real sure about that. But yeah, the um, Indians got quote-unquote swept by the Yankees. In in typical Cleveland fashion, our pitching just uh, chokes when it comes to playoffs. For whatever reason, we'll have Cy Young winners that just give up 
10, 12 runs, you know, which has never happened to them all season long. Now, this season, you could say it was a little different because they've never played the Yankees. They never played any team outside of their division in league or out of league. You know, it was always central division teams. Still, it was the same result as they've had the last four out of five years. Which is sad because um, nobody likes it when the Yankees win. Yeah, nobody. So, and I don't know how they're how they're doing, um, but I'm sure they're going to go all the way because it's the Yankees. Hopefully not. Oh, they're playing the Rays now, and the Rays are pretty good. So, always next year is what you say with baseball. There's always next always year. Always next year. So, that's a good lead into football, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do we want to start with college or do we want to start with professional? Let's go ahead and start with college. Okay. Get the bad news over with first. <laughs> yeah, because these are the games I watched more... Yeah, I I actually watched. (laughs) I haven't had a chance to just because I've been out on the road and there's no good way for me to watch them, but I've I've seen scores. So So, we're talking about Texas A&M because it's the college we care about. One of the few teams we root for together. Yeah, they are in the SEC, which is the Southeast Conference, which is still playing. Unlike the other sports, football, it appears, is allowing fans. I think my dad said there was a cap of 1,400 people. Or something like that, maybe 20... Oh, at the college level? Yeah, it was something like 15,000 to 20,000. <laughs> That's like less than a quarter of what the stadium can hold. Yeah. Watching the TV and looking at the sidelines, you know, most of the people they showed on the sidelines were students. The students were not following any kind of social distancing, <laughs> wearing masks, any of that <laughs> There were more people wearing masks on the sidelines <laughs> than there were in the stands. But they're college students, so I, you know, it's like expecting three-year-olds to follow directions. (laughs) I remember being a college student. (laughs) First game played was against Vanderbilt, and that was at home in College Station. This was supposed to be kind of our quote-unquote, so there there were no easy layup teams, though, out of conference, Division II teams (laughs) looking to get some TV time. Right, every game... This season is conference game. So that means you don't have anybody easy to work the kinks out of your program. And it definitely showed there were a lot of teams that were supposed to be good who did not play well that week. You had Alabama almost get beat by Mississippi State. Sorry, it was LSU who almost got beat by Mississippi State. I don't remember Alabama doing terribly great as well. Texas almost got beat by whoever they were playing, although Texas got beat this week too, so I'm happy about that. But I'll I'll bring that up later. (laughs) Uh, Oklahoma did get beat by Kansas State. There were a lot of teams that did not play nearly as well as people thought they should have. However, it's the first time everybody's on a field in a competitive environment, so there's a lot of question marks about what's going on. This was definitely true about A&M. Uh, A&M did not play very well against Vanderbilt. They, so I know what it was. It was the five turnovers. <laughs> it was the, the five time. I think three of those times, Mon dropped the ball, and one of them he threw an interception, and the other time somebody dropped the ball. I can't remember who it was, but it was – just this constant barrage of interceptions through the first half or, or turnovers in the first half that just dags looked terrible. They, they just, they look like a Bush league team <laughs> uh, trying to play football against a decent college team. And Vanderbilt was supposed to be a fairly easy team for us this year. Mon looked a little better than he has in the past, but again, that may be because this was not a great team, but again, he dropped the ball three times. So (laughs) you could tell that we had lost some real good uh, running backs and some receivers. 
overall, we just didn't play very well against Vanderbilt. The crazy highlight for me of that game was the block in the back. It was block in the back in the end zone, which resulted in a safety. <laughs> so caught the ball uh, after a kickoff or a punt. I can't remember running it forward. One of the Vanderbilt players, defenders had run into the end zone to kind of come around behind the guy. He got blocked side blocked, which I guess is what a block in the back now is, um, <laughs> by an AM guy. They called it blocking in the back. I guess when you do that in the end zone, it counts as a safety. I'm not really sure how that rule works, but <laughs> so that's what happened. That was the crazy thing. So I saw AM get a safety against it, which you don't see very often. And at one, I think it was 17 to 12. They walked away, so it was a win, but it didn't look good. And it looked like going up against Alabama, we were going to need to shape up quite a bit if we were going to to put anything on the board. Or, or at least make it look like a respectable loss. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> with Alabama, that's often all you can really hope for is a respectable loss. <laughs> Occasionally you get a shot at a win, but usually it's respectable loss. So... Uh, I don't know if you had anything to say about the Vanderbilt game. That much other than, yeah, I agree with the thought that, you know, I looked at the score and went, that score should have been much higher. <laughs> like there should have been much more of a, a point differential between the two teams. And the fact that it wasn't was like, I thought to myself, like, hmm, that was probably an ugly, ugly win. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. Who did they play next? No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so discouraged at this point, I don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's a sign too about college football is the thought that the universities aren't being that stringent and with, you know, social distancing and whatnot. And the fact that conferences like the Big Ten were basically bullied into having a season by parents, there's going to be some very bad games and a lot of teams are going to end up doing very badly and some kids are going to become very sick because of this. Yeah. Okay, so next game is against Florida. <laughs> so Florida's ranked number four right now. <laughs> Alabama's ranked number two. So the expectation is Florida's going to kill us. <laughs> and then the rest of the season is pretty easy. Well, actually, no. Tennessee's ranked number 14 right now. Never mind. Who knows? Who the f- knows? <laughs> Wait, what are we ranked as? 21. Oh, wow. I'm surprised. Yeah, we started the season ranked as tenth. We played Vanderbilt, and then we dropped to thirteen, which we were all uh-huh. surprised we didn't drop further. And then after this weekend against Alabama, we dropped to twenty-one. The only reason I could think we dropped so much against from Alabama is that other teams did that much better against others. Yeah, and it's a pretty open field as well. So especially with the pack, you know, you have other conferences who aren't playing at all. So if there was any thought that a and would do well against Alabama, that's just folly. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about that game. Terrible game. <laughs> so it started out actually it started out pretty good. So the the truth is Alabama's defense isn't quite as up to snuff as they used to be, and A and M was able to click pretty early in the in the game and able to move the ball. So you know by the end of the first quarter, yeah, end of the first quarter or so into the second, it was fourteen fourteen. There was a, it was a back and forth. Like A and M's defense wasn't great, neither was Alabama's defense wasn't playing real great at all. And then AM's offense just sort of fell apart. There were, I want to say, a couple turnovers and just a lot of dropped balls by receivers and a lot of non balls that weren't thrown very well. To me, and because we've had Mon for three seasons now, it looked like 
the typical Mon getting flustered while playing Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> you think after three seasons. <laughs> Honestly, he looked fine when he stayed in the pocket, but he threw several balls that he should not have thrown. I don't think he's real good at thinking on his feet. I think he comes out of the huddle and he has this idea about what's going to happen and he plays it out no matter what. It's not always true because he did run the ball on, on a couple occasions and he got some decent yardage out of those runs, but it just, he wasn't quick enough for Alabama and Alabama's defense kind of started stepping it up. So he, I think you had a conjunction of, you know, Alabama's defense stepping it up combined with A&M's offense giving it up and, and Alabama's offense was as good as they've always been and our defense was not as good as it has been in the past. So they kind of run over us. So we tried to rally in the kind of the third quarter we had a, a good run we actually scored some more points which blew my mind because i thought we were done <laughs> at half uh we actually scored some more points i thought we had a chance to keep going with that but again we just kept dropping the ball it just there were just so many plays we we're like ah if that guy had caught the ball we would have gotten the first down or we would have gotten a touchdown, but, but no, he dropped it, <laughs> you know, I, or why did you throw it to that guy? He had four people on him. I don't, I don't understand this. <laughs> Which is one of the things that you think about this is like, I was really excited when Jimbo Fisher became coach for AM because he has a really good history. You know, he, he's won at least one national championship that I know of. And for what it's worth, A&M's got a well, funded football program you know yeah so there's no reason why we can't compete at the sec but it just seems stagnant over the last couple years and it's like well what's going on why why are you sticking with this quarterback which obviously has problems and you know is never going to make it into the nfl yeah it bears like just this huge question like we have this coach we're paying a ridiculous a ridiculous amount of money for and we have a like amazing facilities and ostensibly we have a good program and yet we don't Mm -hmm. we have a middling range decent okay school program and yet we i mean we have pumped so much money into football and we're just not that good. Like, we're not as good as we should be. Mm-hmm. I don't know where the problem is anymore. Like, I would have blamed Mond for a long time, but you know, Mond is an okay quarterback, but he's not a star, right? If someone asks, hey, do you want to be a starter for the team? Of course you're going to say yes. But the thing to do as a coach is say, no, you're, yeah. you're not good enough. <laughs> you know, whether Alabama is Alabama and Nick Saban's in the coach of a, you got to compete with the tough ones and we should be able to compete with the tough ones. We should be able to compete with Alabama and LSU. We, we've beaten those teams before. And just because you beat them once means you should be beating them more than just once <laughs> in 10 years. <laughs> well, I mean, Alabama was kind of a, you know, it was Manziel <laughs> was a big reason. Yeah, but you've had these years with Kellen Mond, and he, there's no way you could say that he's ever looked really all that great. <laughs> he went the same way that every quarterback we've had since Manziel has went. He did fine until the Alabama game. After that, he seemed like he was spooked and then never got over it. Uh, with Kellen Mond, we've actually gotten more than one year out of him, whereas all the others they either transferred somewhere else or we found somebody better, but uh, it, it doesn't seem like they ever get over the spooking. They always play decently, but never good enough. <laughs> <laughs> and always the question, why are we still playing this guy? <laughs> yeah. Well, because his numbers are good. Yeah, I know, but you know, we're not winning. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care how good your numbers are. If you're not winning, you're not winning. <laughs> and in this particular case, his numbers aren't looking good because they're drop passes. Yeah. 
that being said, we did put King in, so the new quarterback, at the end for the last drive. Uh-huh. And he actually ran the ball himself for five, four or five downs, and he got, I don't know, I th- he got at least two first downs. So it was at least 20 yards. I think he got a little more of that. Was looking really good. <laughs> By playing the game himself. <laughs> yes. Um, but he was looking good. And uh, then he threw one pass a- into the end zone and it was intercepted. Um, <laughs> and that ended the game. Like that would have been our final score. I would have been relatively happy because we would have gotten more than half of, you know, Al- you know, Alabama won by 52 to 24. So that means we were three points off from having half <laughs> of what Alabama did. I would have liked to have gotten those that that extra touchdown to put us over that mark because that I feel that's about as much of a win I could as I could hope for typically. So I don't know, maybe that spoiled King. Maybe King walks out of this not being any good either, in which case we're screwed. I don't know what our game against Florida looks like. I don't know if Mon's going to come out or if we're going to start King, or maybe we're going to half and half them. And I haven't seen that work terribly great for us in the past either. So I don't know what, what next week looks like, but I'm not. I was really hopeful we didn't suck as bad as I thought we did after the Vanderbilt game. Right. And the Alabama game kind of confirms it. So, <laughs> so yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. And I mean, if we can beat Florida, then there's a good chance that the rest of the season will be okay will look better but you know florida may be a fair weather warning if we could beat florida we look pretty pretty amazing yeah to be honest because florida's playing pretty good and they beat us pretty solidly last year so right so this could be a fair weather bell you know for the rest of the season yeah that leads us going north from college station to Dallas. Before we leave college football, I want to I want to say one one thing, and that is TCU beat Texas. So, despite <laughs> and I'm losing Alabama, and despite what we're going to talk about and call in the NFL, I was pretty happy with the weekend overall. Because <laughs> <laughs> at least the Longhorns beat to a crappy team. Wax TCU is not that bad, but yes, they got beat by a crappy team. <laughs> Always happy when that happens. Tech, Tech. They played Texas Tech the week before that. And they almost lost to Tech. <laughs> it's not even like them getting beaten. It's listening to the former students from Texas so loud and, and so pompously. <laughs> ah, it's just a warm place in my heart. <laughs> <sighs> okay. All right. I'm done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, yeah, the NFL season started four weeks ago. Everything was doing pretty good up until about last week, uh, as far as the COVID stuff was concerned. The Titans were the first team last week to come down with cases of COVID, and they were going to push back their game with Pittsburgh. Eventually, that game was just being put on hold for a few weeks. They were going to move the game from Sunday to Monday or Tuesday. Now it's being put off till for weeks until a bye week game can be done. Hmm. I hadn't heard about that part of it. Yeah. I remember the move to Monday, but I hadn't heard they'd I didn't realize they'd moved it again. Yep. Okay. Beyond that, I don't remember if there were any other teams that had tested for COVID. I hadn't heard of any other positives. So otherwise, I mean, there was a little snafu, but it seems like it's been maintained well. I know all the NFL teams have been pretty serious about it. And basically, as long as you're following what happened with baseball, you know what you need to do. (laughs) Right. Which is, you know, keep the players in the freaking hotel. <laughs> <laughs> the Browns were allowed 6,000 fans into 
their stadium for their two home games. Uh, that went well. So uh, this upcoming Sunday for week five, they'll be allowed 12,000. Okay. So that's at least what's happening in Ohio. The Browns are three and one through their first four weeks for the first time since 2001. Since I was last in high school <laughs> and you had just graduated. <laughs> yeah, 2001. So that's, you know, 19 years. <laughs> no, yeah, because yeah. it's 2020. So <laughs> <laughs> was the last time that the Cleveland Browns three and one to start the season nice uh lost to the ravens which right now the ravens are like the number two team unequivocally after the kansas city chiefs as far as the best teams in the nfl so that wasn't a big shocker there but we beat the cincinnati bengals back home with uh rookie quarterback joe burrow leading the Bengals, uh and we beat the washington football team so those two wins i would say not a big surprise because rookie quarterback in cincinnati is just terrible and the washington football team that is so bad they had to change their name to the washington football team (laughs) yeah that's the reason they changed it (laughs) nothing to do with you know all of the burning and the (laughs) and the tear gas (laughs) honestly i'm pretty sure that the uh the owners of the washington football team were like oh thank god we've got another excuse to change the team name other than that you know other than that we're so bad we're changing the name <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> our week four game our third win came from dallas now i don't know if we want to review the game or you want to go through dallas as a season before we touch on last sunday uh i'll do a brief dallas because i, I i've only really been able to watch the seahawks game and the last week's game so the dallas they've played four times so far uh, first game was against the rams the rams beat them 20 to 17 I literally know nothing about that game, <laughs> but it's pretty close. So the new L.A. Rams, uh, but it was a close game, 20 to 17. The Falcons, which uh, the Cowboys beat 40 to 39. So literally one point difference there. So, again, very close, Atlanta Falcons. That, if I uh, remember correctly, was a comeback. <laughs> that was a comeback and was saved by a botched onside kick mm-hmm. i remember that because that was a highlight that they were talking a lot about <laughs> i don't remember was it botched it was supposed to be an atlanta falcons were trying to do an onside kick no it dallas did the onside kick right what it happened was they kicked at the 10 yards and for whatever reason the falcons that were nearest to the ball just stared at the ball because they thought yeah. that it hadn't crossed the 10 yards and so after it crossed the 10 yards Dallas just jumped on the ball <laughs> yeah I was trying to figure that one out I was like why didn't they move <laughs> they just watched the ball roll by them and I'm like ah you guys were bad <laughs> so yeah the Cowboys got the ball and they brought it back but yeah that was like a 30 something or not it was about 30 points right come 28 point comeback after the half mm-hmm. so yeah Dallas definitely looked like they were going to lose that game and then shaped up and brought it back Cowboys versus the Seahawks so this was very much a story of they made mistakes two biggest mistakes were I want to say that Prescott had a fumble and the safety. 
Because Lord knows I've never seen a safety on a Saturday and then again on the Sunday by the teams I root for. But this time, <laughs> this this was it, apparently. This was the weekend. So I got to see AM get a safety on them and then the Cowboys get a safety on them. Now, the Cowboys safety was, was a legitimate safety. <laughs> it wasn't a, oh, guy hit another guy on his shoulder and it was a block in the back. <laughs> so that counts as a safety now. Which, which still doesn't make it any better because you're like college okay they're kids they screw up this is where they learn to fix these things whereas in the nfl you're paid millionaires <laughs> yeah i think it was a punt return they didn't return it i can't remember if it was a fair catch or if it was brought down by the seahawks on the one yard line and so that's where the cowboys got the ball and they gave it to zeke to run it out and he failed to run it out uh-huh. <laughs> so one of the highest paid running backs in nfl couldn't get the ball two yards to keep from getting a safety so now zeke got a safety on him so i we're paying this guy too much anyways <laughs> so i got to see that the honest truth was i was expecting this to be a bloodbath i was expecting the seahawks to come out and just dominate And the the truth was they didn't. The Cowboys defense played pretty well. The offense had kind of its on-off thing that it did last year a lot, which was when it was on, it was on, and they looked amazing. And when it was off, they were terrible. They looked like a bunch of Bush League idiots. (laughs) (laughs) It gave me a lot of hope that we were actually going to be competitive this year and we could play. And and so maybe all the money we were dumping down these guys' throats was worth it. So that, that was kind of, that was the Seahawks game. Then we step into the game with the Browns. <laughs> <laughs> so, quick backup because uh, y- y- you did a really good job analysis of the your first four weeks, and I just wanted to do a quick review of what's been going on with the Browns, which was with our loss to to Baltimore. It was because we were trying to do what we did last year, which was try to outsmart the other team. We were trying to do trick plays and things, and you just looked at it and go, "I don't know what they were thinking," but. That didn't work on any level, and I can't figure out what it was that they were trying to do to succeed. Coming to the two games with Cincinnati and uh, Washington, we stuck to the game plan that everyone said that we should have done, which was run the ball. (laughs) And it worked. (laughs) I I will say that was one of the mistakes from the Seahawks game. The Cowboys attempted a fake punt and then didn't. So I think that happened during the Baltimore game, right? The Browns did the same thing. It just went nowhere. You're just like, I don't know what they were trying there, but obviously it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, that's, I was like, what is going on? <laughs> but I will say one of the goofy things, like you were talking about safety, is one of the goofy penalties that plagued the Browns for the first few games was intentional grounding. <laughs> I never thought I'd see that ever <laughs> in a long time in an NFL game. But yeah, Baker Beefield had a couple of uh, intentional grounding calls. And I think that's one of the faults that we're having with him is that he just, he doesn't know how to react when a play is dead. Not sure why. It, it's a little odd. You'd think they'd work with him on that. Yeah, usually you figure that out in college. Yeah. Well, you know, you'd think it'd be easy enough to figure out now with, you know, the coaches going, hey, if you get in this situation, just do this. (laughs) Yeah. You have your go to like, what was that movie with Will Smith? He was playing a basketball coach or player and they had their their go to play that they knew so well because they had done it until they all threw up. (laughs) Coach Carter? (laughs) Huh? Was it Coach Carter? No. That was Will Ferrell. Oh, I thought you said Will Smith. 
No, it said Will Ferrell. <laughs> oh, that's what you said, Will Smith. <laughs> no, it was like Tropical Thunder. No, it wasn't Tropical Thunder. It was something. I don't remember. But I know what you're way, talking about. With Woody Harrelson. Yeah, the, the idea is you have... No, it wasn't Woody Harrelson. It was uh, Mark... Was it Mark McGuire? Mark Wahlberg? Mark Wahlberg. That was it. You sure it was Mark Wahlberg? Because I would have yes, thought it was... I'm, I'm sure it's Mark Wahlberg. I'll look it up. <laughs> okay. But either way, you have that play that you just... is stuck in your head. Like, you know how to do it no matter what. I was actually going to bring this earlier, this whole movie up earlier when we were talking about the stars and the lightning. Because it seemed like the lightning had that going on. <laughs> <laughs> the stars did not. <laughs> but yeah, once we started just running the ball and then everything else opened up, we'd get a few good passes here and there. And Baker Mayfield's still not 100% accurate, but I think the more comfortable we get with ourselves as a team, like in a, a scheme, once things start working out well, then I think everything else opens up. I think success is going to come once we try to stop trying, stop trying to force situations and start doing what we're good at. Even though the other team knows exactly what we're going to do, because it's working. Like we get our receivers to block and our tight ends to block, and it, and then our running backs go five, six, eight yards after contact. Right now, they're like number one in yards before contact, which is like close to four yards before contact. <laughs> I think that we're starting to finally become a team that gets fun to watch now. So then, yeah, we can go into week four. Dallas Cowboys versus the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> Honestly, walking into this, I thought this was going to be our second loss. I thought that our uh, two and one record being over 500, it survived a week and yay, we were over 500 for the first time in like 10 years. <laughs> I didn't necessarily think we were going to roll over the Browns, but I thought this was going to be a win. Yeah, definitely thought it was going to be a win. Yeah, I thought that, you know, as long as we did what we were good at doing, it at least looked like a good loss for us, you know turned out very different <laughs> from the get-go <laughs> yes it was a little back and forth but um from what i remember listening to was that we stuck to our ground game and then we had a couple of good trick plays not like trick trick plays but like uh, first odell beckham touchdown was by a pass from jarvis landry who's a wide receiver <laughs> So it was a shovel pass to Jarvis Landry that, you know, he ended up throwing to Odell Beckham Jr. in the end zone. And that was a short, uh, short pass touchdown. Or no, it wasn't. It wasn't a short pass. It was a 37 yard touchdown pass. And then uh, by halftime, boy, what was the score at halftime? Like 28, 14? Um, yeah, I think it was 31, 14 at that point. So at halftime, I pretty much stopped. <laughs> I like, so I missed the first 30 minutes of the game. So I missed the point wherein the team seemed, you know, pretty close. And then I also stopped watching around halftime because <laughs> I had watched a bloodbath the day before <laughs> with A&M in Alabama, and I didn't really feel like watching it again because uh, I think there were like three turnovers in a short, like there was the, the time when uh, Miles Garrett stripped the ball off of Prescott. Strip sack fumble for the third straight right. and you know game. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Garrett on that one because, you know, he's a former Aggie and he's doing pretty amazing as a is he a defensive back, defensive end, defensive end for uh, for the Browns? Yeah. So hey, good going. I mean, it kind of sucks it happened against Prescott, but okay. <laughs> but then literally the next time we get the ball back, Zeke fumbles the ball on the first play. So <laughs> it was just like this comedy of errors, and our defense could not stop the Browns. They couldn't stop the short pass. They couldn't stop the run. So. Eh, 
it needed to be a shootout and our offense was fumbling the ball constantly. So, <laughs> you know, that's the game didn't get interesting until like the start of the fourth quarter. By the start of the fourth quarter, it was 41 to 14. And like at that point, I even thought like, OK, you know, I, I thought about texting. Hey, are we still friends? <laughs> you know, but then I said, no, no, wait, this is the Cleveland Browns. I've I've, been, I've seen this movie before and I'm, you know, <laughs> it's M. Night Shyamalan kind of stuff yeah. with Cleveland, you know, <laughs> what a twist, you know. <laughs> and sure enough, man, that the, the Cowboys came back. They they stuck to a plan, and it just worked because the Cleveland defense, uh, the their secondary, the linebackers and quarterbacks, they they don't have their starting guys playing because they're all hurt. So Dak Prescott just started making pass after pass after pass and just marching it downfield. Right, he did what he's pretty good at, and that is the short, you know, the middle length pass. He's not great, not necessarily great at short passes. He's mm-hmm. terrible at long passes, but the middle length pass, you get it, the guy gets tackled, we move the chains. Get it, guy gets tackled, we move the chains. You just do that again and again. Right, and it was up-tempo, which was like, you know, it was genius, and it's it's infuriating if you're the other, if you're a fan for the other side because you know that up-tempo means you're you guys are just going to get exhausted. They're just getting run over. They're just get running all around all over the place. And there's, there's no chance because you know your coach doesn't want to use the timeouts because yep. they may be important towards the end. So, like, I started getting worried there to the end. The, the insanity happened with, like, the last, like, five minutes. <laughs> yeah, so in the last five minutes. So, effectively, you still have the Cowboys being able to stop, to stop the Browns. So, the Cowboys go down and score. Browns get the ball. Browns go down and score. Now, in order to make this like a fight, the the Cowboys have to do something because they're they're too many points away. So the guy gets in and he blocks the extra point, which is like, hell yes, if that had stayed blocked. So let's go over how that touchdown came to be, because at that point, you guys were like 38 to 41 is what it was. So then the Browns are at midfield. They do a handoff to Odell Beckham Jr., which is a wide receiver. So they're doing a running play with a wide receiver, and it looks like it was just going to go bad, bad. Like he was 10 yards back from behind the line of scrimmage, and it looked like he was dead to rights, and then he gets out of it, runs down the field, gets that touchdown. They go for the the point after. Right, because that was crazy. Like they they had like eight guys around him. Nobody could touch him. He was just too fast. Nobody could touch him. And so that that was kind of like what happened the whole game. Like like the, the Browns, you know, offense just sort of ran around the Cowboys defense. And then there was the point after touchdown and it was so the the Cowboys were offsides. Okay, you know, but you know what they were offsides and they blocked the field goal. So before we even knew that they were offsides, they blocked the extra point and you think that up oh, that's it. <laughs> no, they blocked the point and and padded the ball into the end zone where it was recovered by a Cleveland Brown player, which turned the one point extra point into a two point conversion. Yet another thing I'd never seen. <laughs> never, never, never even heard of it. Like, I like, I don't know. I remember you were saying this to me that day and I thought the same thing was like, I don't know how they're going to score this. Cause I've never seen right. this. <laughs> like, is it one point? Is it two? What is it? <laughs> I've seen if the, team like the defending team blocks the kick and recovers it and runs it down into their own end zone it's like one or two points i can't remember which but i right. never see it's like a one or point two point like safety or something like that i had never seen the kicking team recover a blocked kick <laughs> i part of me thought it was a dead ball <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> just you know then that happened and it was just like 
Okay, well, let's hope that everything holds true, you know. And then, of course, uh, the next Cowboys possession, again, Dak Prescott's just marching it down the field, and they're like 20 yards from the goal line, and he throws an interception. Yeah, he throws it to, on a play, honestly, it was a mistake. Like, he he should have seen the coverage. I think he had it in his mind, I'm going to throw to this guy. And the you could see the Browns, uh, the defender, could see it coming. And he was able to get in front of the receiver and get the ball. And Prescott's been able to thread a lot of needles, but that only works so many times. And every once in a while, it's going to fail. Right. Um, And this was after, let's see, I think, oh, yeah, so the attempted onsides kick did not go well either. But that was was way before all this happened. But... Um, that because that went down like forty yards. So oh, yeah. I don't know what they like. It didn't look like an onside kick to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what it was in, it, it was um, the helicopter kick. The idea was that that so they put it on the ball on the ground, uh, not mm-hmm. on its tip, but on its side, and they kicked it so that way it was low spinning. So that way, if anybody tried to touch it, they couldn't catch it clean. It did end up touching the Cleveland Brown receiver or kick, kick returner, but it went into the end zone, so it was a touchback. So that was one of those like it almost worked, like the plan was there and it was sound and it almost worked, but they weren't quite fast enough to uh, recover it before it got into the end zone. Right, and then you know eventually you had that ridiculous run, <laughs> then you touched down, failed block pass, which or failed blocked uh, extra point, which somehow turned into two points for Cleveland, and then and then the interception, <laughs> and that was enough time at the end of the game for Mayfield just to knee it, and uh, game was over. Yep, it was awesome to see. You know, Dallas kind of get their the stuff together and come back. It was sad to see them not make it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's kind of a testament to the Browns, you know. Uh, I was going to say, it was nice for, for me as a Cleveland Browns fan to finally not see a good game go to waste. <laughs> yeah, you finally got, you know, hey, we didn't completely waste our first half. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, to go, hey, we scored so many points. Yes, we're going to win this. And then turn around by the end of the game and go, what the f- I just watch <laughs> how did this turn out this way <laughs> I, I wish the Cowboys could be competitive without having to be behind 30 or more points you know <laughs> I wish they could come out strong mm. which I think they came out more strong against the Seahawks than, than they have against anybody else so far so and it was good to see that the strategy that they've been doing for a third straight week working you know that one of those like they're keeping to the strategy that works and they're not trying to overthink they're not trying to outsmart they're not trying to do more than than what works you know it seems like the browns they've got a pretty good running core yeah that's the way to leverage it now chubbs went out but it doesn't seem like it really cost the browns much to be honest right and that was even better is that whatever they have as far as backups still is good enough good enough to get the yards and get them downfield and and by doing the strategy what going on earlier the year there was worry that there were problems with odell beckham jr because he's a star wide receiver and he hasn't been getting a lot of receptions lately and certainly not as many touchdowns as people expected but that day he got three touchdowns two receiving touchdowns and a, and a running touchdown by doing the things right they're able to incorporate him into the plays and get things running so it's all just as long as you're sticking to the strategy it seems to be working and part of that the running game that's working for them 
is the blocking that even with a rookie left tackle, they're still doing good, that they're getting the tight end to help out in the blocking, they're getting the receivers to help in blocking, that everyone's doing such a good job of it that the run is working. Yeah, I mean, the Cowboys defense honestly didn't have a chance on most plays. They weren't able to get them in the backfield pretty much any time, and they had a lot of problems stopping them after five or six yards. So, like I said, the run game is very, very strong with the Browns. Mm. Cowboys, it seems, like I was saying before, when they're on, they're on, and when they're off, they're off. It seems like they're on a little bit more this year than they were last year. (sighs) But... Well, again, it seems like with the Brown situation that if they do what they know they're good at, right. then they can't be stopped. Well, yeah, I, you know that when they try when they try to do more, when they're trying to do things different because they're afraid that they're getting predictable, is when they start losing that the game gets away from them. Right. I would say that is sort of true, except you still have enough mistakes. So let's take away the stripped ball, mm-hmm. you know, because ultimately that's Prescott not having awareness <laughs> and it's somewhat it's miles garrett so let's not even take away the strip ball let's take away the drop ball by zeke or take away the interception at the end of the game there's still too many mistakes that the offense is making that even their reliable strategy isn't as reliable as i would hope but it does seem like they're getting into a better groove as far as what is the most reliable strategy mm. so that being said the cowboys are one in three so <laughs> <laughs> Playing the Giants next. Don't know how that's going to go. That should be a downright win. The Giants are 0-4 right now, and they look just as good as the Washington football team. Yeah, and we play the Washington football team in two more weeks. So <laughs> The Browns play the Colts next, and then the Steelers. The Colts should be interesting. They've had, I think, their 3-1 and one as well. But I think that's a much more winnable game than the Cowboys game was walking. The way I feel about the Colts game is better than walking into that game than I did about the Cowboys game. So um, we'll see. I think we need this win because I don't think we're going to win the week after against Pittsburgh just because we're not quite there yet as a team. Yeah. You know, if, if the season goes well, then I think next year, who knows? But uh, I think that covers the sports. I got to say, it, it, despite all the COVID stuff, it looks like they managed to, to get things done. Some mistakes, but I think they're fixable, certainly for next year for all the different sports. If things don't change, I think they have a strategy and a plan now to make it work. But I still enjoyed watching a lot of these and listening to a lot of these games, and it's been a, a welcome distraction. Yeah, I definitely did not enjoy the AM Alabama game. I'll say that. <laughs> well, <laughs> I didn't actually watch that. So part of my, you know, enjoyment has been the fact that I've been lucky to have been not be able to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but who knows? I, you know, there's always another, there's always another, another week. So, mm-hmm. so we'll see. Yeah. Just like, it's like they say in baseball, it's always next year. <laughs> and so the Strohs are doing pretty good right now. So that's pretty much my one team. Maybe that's doing well enough. I can watch. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I guess that wraps it up for sports. So uh, thanks for listening. Remember, we have a website, patentthefatman.com. You can go and check our stuff out. We also have a Patreon. You can support the podcast. Now, all the monies go to our lovely and talented super producer, 
and who makes this podcast listenable. So we're not just saying a bunch of ums and uh and like <laughs> constantly. <laughs> and taking out so many swear words. That's right. So, well, we bleep most of those because I think bleep <laughs> swear words are way funnier than actual swear words. So, But yes, please head to the website. Check us out. Uh, share us. Review us because that's good too. That that causes the podcast to come up more for people. So share, review, like, spread the word, and thank you to everybody who's listening. Uh, I'm Pat. I'm the Fat Man, otherwise known as Bruce. Stay classy. Go Browns. <laughs> nice. You, uh, all right, fine, fine. I, what? Are, okay, fine. All right, all right. Do I have? Yeah, I have to. All right, fine. 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 I'll do it. You know what? You know what? Fine. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Bruce is right. It was not Mark Wahlberg. It was Woody Harrelson. And I did, in fact, say Will Smith the first time, I guess. Whatever. All right, fine. Bruce was right. Ring the freaking bells everywhere. Sorry about that. Do 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 do